Dr. Haley Watson is the CEO of Open Parachute. I've had two conversations with her now, and I'm learning so much about the importance of the self and its relationship to learning and about story and about ways in which we as educators can develop the courage to take those formative steps to help us learn about what we're doing that we can then model that with other people. I can't wait to talk to her about a couple more challenging topics though. So Hayley Watson, let's go. Hayley, um, yeah, thank you so much again. Um, I wanna jump straight into bullying if I can because mm-hmm. it's a hard, hard topic. I'm one of those men who, was, when he was a little boy, got bullied really, really badly. And I know I'm not alone in that respect. I know that in every school we have bullying and mm-hmm. it's a facile and um, self-deluded educator who can stand up in front of people and say, oh no, I don't have bullying at my school um, mm-hmm. because it's there. It's a natural, normal and abhorrent aspect of human nature that's the way I'll put it (laughs) tell me what bullying is please help me understand yes great so so you're lucky I did my PhD in this so it's an area of specific passion of mine Um, so bullying is really just the repeated act of aggression repeatedly harming someone else in a situation where the person that's being harmed feels powerless and feels like there's nothing that can be done about it. So there's a power imbalance that's a part of bullying. So one person is, is sort of dominating the other repeatedly and harming them. So that's sort of what bullying is. Um, and it really ties into what we were talking about in the first conversation of where prejudice comes from and where these things come from. Do you want me to talk a little bit about where it comes from? Yeah, please, please. Yeah. Let's dig into it. So absolutely. So it's the same with any act that we do that's, you know, unkind is when we're hurting, we don't know what to do with our pain. We don't, because again, we don't have a culture that teaches how do we process these things? How do we actually connect to what we're really feeling so we can be honest? And when we don't know what to do with our pain, it has to go somewhere. And so what ends up happening is that pain, and then the metaphor I often use with with kids is it's like we're dumping it. It's like we're a garbage can and we're taking it all and we're dumping it onto someone else. So we're like a garbage dispenser. Um, And so because there's a slight amount of relief that is felt when you give that feeling to someone else. And this is not, usually it's unconscious, especially when we're talking about kids. They don't know they're doing this. Of course, on some level, they, they know that it's wrong, but there's this feeling, again, this is where well-being is so vitally, crucially important because we can tell kids what's right and what's wrong till we're blue in the face. But if, if you're a kid sitting there in class and you are feeling so badly about yourself because maybe your parents are putting you down or maybe you have no friends or maybe something really hard has happened to you and you don't know what to do with your pain and then you lash out at someone and you make them feel the way you feel, all of a sudden you feel this sort of false sense of power for a moment. You know, you feel a relief, you feel a, you know, a sensation of, oh, you know, it just, 
you know, it's like a, it's like an addictive behavior, really. It's the same thing as, you know, reaching for, for a, a glass of wine, you know, the, the glass of wine that you really don't need. You know, you shouldn't do that. You know that it's not good for you, but you just do it because you can't handle that, that stress that you're feeling. You just want it to go away. And so then on top of that, the child that's getting victimized is also a part of this dynamic because we do this in our culture where when we're in pain, we either learn to dump feelings on other people or we learn to take on the, the crap that people dump on us. And so there's, a, there's a, a mentality for kids that are bullied, which is something that you might be very familiar with, where, where we start to believe and we go, well, it, you know, it, this is my fault. This must be my fault. There's something wrong with me. We internalize that. So both people and dynamic, there's like this unwritten, unspoken, shared understanding of, yes, we're going to make you into the, the victim here and I'm going to become the bully. And everybody sort of unconsciously agrees with that. And then the problem with that is that then because we don't really know how to intervene in a way that, that heals that and acknowledges both feelings and process it, we end up putting them further into the role. So, so we intervene and we say, you're, you're terrible, you're a bully, that's bad, you shouldn't do that. And then there's sort of more low self-esteem that gets piled on top. And so then they start to internalize, well, I'm this bad person. And so then they keep acting in this awful way. And then the, the child that's being victimized keeps believing, you know, well, I can't do, I can't do anything. I can't, I can't change this. I can't do anything about it. So they keep feeling powerless and then they keep getting victimized. So it's this, it's these roles that unfortunately we fall into because of mental patterns and because of the result of our pain. Uh, that's, that's such a profound, that's such a profound explanation of what is a very difficult um, topic for people to understand. Um, thank you for sharing that. Um, mm -hmm. I want to explore a little bit the stigma of being a bully and the stigma yes. of being bullied because mm -hmm. both of those provoke shame. Yes. And typically when back in the day when I used to do this sort of stuff and work honorably for a living in a school, you'd have a conversation with parents about their child being yeah. a bully. I can remember one parent in particular telling me, my son's not a bully. He's just a callow youth. Yeah. And you're sitting there going, if we can't accept what's going on, how, how can we have a conversation about moving on to a better mm -hmm. state? And similarly about with parents of, of, of children who are being bullied, about mm -hmm. them either flying into a, a, flying into a rage and, mm -hmm. and wanting to seek you know, mass retribution on the whole world and lay, lay waste you know, yeah. the, the damage that's being done to their child or, or denying that their child would be the sort of child who would be bullied. How do we help parents um, yes. to come to terms with the bullying situation? What, 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 what are some advice you can give to my colleagues out there? Yeah, absolutely. So the biggest thing is normalizing. Again, it comes back to normalizing the feelings, normalizing what's happening and really explaining it as this is a, this is a normal thing that happens, unfortunately, between kids, because this is what we do as humans. There's nothing wrong with either child. There's nothing wrong with people who bully. There's nothing wrong with people who are bullied. But what it is, is it's showing that there is some pain there. So in, in having the conversations with the parent, it's really important to, to help the parent also see that, that you're not, 
you're not saying their child is a bad child or there's something wrong with them. You're, you really care about their child and you can see that their child is struggling. And how can you work together with that parent to figure out what might be causing some of these feelings and how can we help this child learn if they're, if they are bullying someone, how can we help them learn different tools and strategies for how to relate to their feelings? And if they're being bullied, how can we help them learn different tools and strategies to help keep them safe and, and help them figure out ways of having boundaries, whether that's adults intervening or, and this, but this is the big thing with bullying is that we have to teach these kids who are getting bullied skills because we can't, there can't be an adult there all the time. And this is, this is the challenge. So I think th there's a, of course, there's a desire in parents whose child is getting bullied to to find the culprit and you know eliminate them, and that that will solve all the problems. But but actually, because there's this internalized view of victim, if we don't shift that in that child and help that child see this is not your fault and there's nothing wrong with you, and give skills for how to cope with that, then then it will happen again for them. Even if we take, even if we remove that bully from the school, that belief stays. So I think it's approaching it from a really therapeutic stance of it's not about who's wrong and who's right, even though, of course, when someone's being bullied, that is not okay. So yes, of course, there's consequences, but it, it goes deeper than that. And if, if we're going to really shift this, we have to give them both skills and tools so that they can figure out how to navigate these situations so that it doesn't become a repeating pattern in their lives. So let's go to that question of tools. What's, what, what, what's Open Parachute offering in this area in terms of tools? Yeah, absolutely. So bullying is a key thing that happens at every age, as we've talked about. So it's one that we, we definitely address in the program. And so the first thing is, you know, through these documentary stories, understanding that there's nothing wrong with them and that it's not their fault. That's the biggest key piece of it, again, by hearing other people who have been through something similar. So when a child is getting bullied, as you probably have experienced, you feel like you're the only one that's going through this because maybe you're the only one that's being picked on in that class or in that school, or it feels like that. So we need to change the narrative first of all, of, of the recognition that these are just roles we fall into. These are not inherent character traits. So it's, it's helping identify and understand what are the thought patterns that, that contribute to this and how do we shift these thought patterns, recognizing the underlying feelings that are happening and how do we relate to those feelings, and then figuring out, giving them agency back, because that's the biggest thing with bullying is there's a feeling of powerlessness for actually for both the bully and the victim because the bully only tries to dominate and take power because they're feeling powerless in their own life in some way and then of course the child being bullied feels powerless because their power their power is being sort of taken away but what we want to reinforce and teach is that nobody can take away our power that is inherently in us and when we help kids recognize what you know even just tiny steps they can take even if it's something like you know some of the skills we talk about is just changing our thought pattern of why don't we what if if kids can start seeing that this is not my fault they're not bullying me because there's something wrong with me actually they're in pain that shifting of thoughts is so empowering so that's one thing that any child can do when they're being bullied and 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 then also what kind of actions can we do is there anything that we can do. And so once we start taking affirmative action in our lives, and again, that's not to say that it's their fault, right? I think that's the biggest thing we have to move away from. 
just because if, if we're making, if we're taking actions to help ourselves, that doesn't mean we're saying that it's our fault that it happened in the first place, but we're teaching kids that they can have agency and that nobody else gets to decide how they feel about themselves and nobody else gets to decide how they're treated. They can decide that themselves. So it's, it's building up those skills and that ability to understand the feelings, understand the thoughts and, and make positive proactive changes. Let me come back at you and say that quite often when we talk to children who are being bullied, they will express profound doubt that adults can do anything valuable in the situation whatsoever. Mm -hmm. um, and they just don't want an intervention. They would rather mm -hmm. stay in the pain that they have right now than have added to it the pain of perceived adult, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. adults coming in and messing everything up. Because, you know, you know, kids, kids in particular, kids, yeah. kids build a pecking order. They build a, a, a hierarchy of power. And like, you know, if I'm mm. there, I'm there in it. And, you know, at least I'm not there. And if, if you come in and mess all, all, all this up, you know, then you're interfering with the secret world of kids and et cetera, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. How do, we, how, do, how do we help kids to understand yeah. that? Absolutely. And so I think the biggest thing is, listening to them and honoring their journey and their story through it. So if they, I mean, first of all, if they're telling you about it in the first place, that is a huge win. So even that you're having that conversation, whether it's your child or you're a teacher in a classroom, a, a child saying, Hey, this is happening to me. You've already solved half of half of the struggle because that means that they're able to, to start working towards some sort of change. And then really, listening and honor because it's really easy as adults we just want to come in and fix everything we want to make it go away and we want to you know erase all the problems of course because we care about them but you know life is full of challenges and and what we need to learn is how you know how do i overcome these challenges and so the best thing we can do is is really 100% validate their experience validate what's happening for them don't jump in if they don't want us to jump in, but keep that, that conversation going. And if a child is being bullied, definitely there should be a psychologist or a therapist involved to help that transition. But what we're really doing is we're helping saying, okay, how do we, what is needed here from your perspective? And we're honoring that. What do you think is needed? And how can we give you the tools so that you can solve this problem yourself? Not to say that that doesn't mean an adult will be involved, but, but they're asking the adult to be involved. Like we really want them to have agency because that's the other thing. If we just come in and swoop in and, and do whatever we do to sort of fix it, they still feel powerless because they still feel like they, they can't do anything for themselves. They still feel just as stuck as when they were being bullied. So the best thing we can do is help them see and find their own power to, to figure out what resources they need, what help they need, what tools they need, you know, but so it's keeping that dialogue going and, and knowing that they're going to be okay. If they're talking to you about it, they're going to be okay. Keep, the, the support, keep the connection, keep all the resources and keep helping them walk through that step, you know, one step at a time. Thank you so much. I want to shift the conversation, if I can, to the unconscious bias that human beings feel because a lot of the bullying comes about, well, it manifests in very petty differences. You know, you can have big ears or little ears. 
you can have a big nose or little nose, your skin can be different colored or so on. These are accidents of birth that usually people have absolutely no control over whatsoever. And yet these are the things that are identified by bullies and typically used to tease and ostracize and alienate and provoke and do all, all those sorts of things that happen and we can see it in a bullying situation but then when we apply it large to society as a whole well it's 2020 we're, we're, we're looking at the impact of that sort mm -hmm. of thing so if i start by saying again this is just me as a history teacher so I'm, I'm 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 pretty rough around the edges around these sorts of things that every single human being is born with a set of biases towards certain things and against certain things how do we help people to recognize those and work through that in a constructive way? So, so I would start with saying, I don't think that we're born with them. I think that we, are, we learn them based on our own story of struggle and pain. So, so I think that's the thing to really keep in mind is these prejudices come from our own insecurities which are a normal part of being human. You know, we go through things that are hard, we struggle, we have difficult things happen to us and we don't know what to do with, with all of that. And so we try to keep things away from us that remind us of our own insecurities. So this is where any prejudice is a mirror. So when we, when we look at what are the things that really rub us up the wrong way, what are the things that we, we're, we're sort of dumping on, what are the things that we're, we're, you know, we're picking on, it will always be a representation of some self-image that we have. It might not be literally like, I think I have too big of ears, therefore I'm going to pick on someone with big ears, but it's that sense of, I don't feel good enough. And so when I see someone that, that I, that, sort of exudes that I'm going to, I'm going to get them away. I'm going to dump on them. I'm going to, you know, all of the, I don't want, I don't want to feel that way. So I'm going to push them away from me. So I think so that's the so, thing. Yeah. So it's learned behavior. And if it's learned behavior, it should be able to be unlearned. So, Absolutely. so, you know, it's, it, it, here we are in a world that is coming to terms with centuries of oppression of people mm -hmm. because of mm -hmm. characteristics which are the accident of birth and people have learned mm -hmm. either because of their own story or because it's been passed on to them to alienate, to ostracize, to hurt, to wound, mm -hmm. um, even to take life around, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, to go back to your definition of bullying, it, it, it's, it's, yeah. it's the doing of violence to people. Yeah. How can we in schools grapple with this? Because, you know, this is really hard stuff. Absolutely. So it's really important to, to honor and, and have the conversation. That's the biggest thing is have the honest conversation, not the conversation of what's right and what's wrong. We know that conversation. The conversation we need to have is acknowledging that prejudice is in all of us. It's again, it's the self study of that to not villainize it, not say it's those people over there that have prejudices, but to, to honor and acknowledge our own prejudices and where those come from. Why do we have, you know, this perspective of that certain group of people? Or why are we inclined to say something nasty when we're feeling insecure or whatever it is? If we delve into our own experience of prejudice, we, we can't help 
but develop empathy and connection to other people. It, it, it flows. So it's not about coming down hard with rules and this is what has to happen and doesn't have to happen because that's not going to change behavior. What's going to change behavior is a person having an aha moment of, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that you know, that it felt like that for someone to get bullied. I didn't realize that, you know, I was in pain and that's why I was doing that. When they have that light bulb moment, then they can not only empathize with people who are being hurt and change their behavior, but they can also empathize with people who are hurting others, which is a key piece of this story. If we just say all those people are bad and they're doing the wrong thing, we're missing the whole point of how this changes. It only changes when we can connect to them and say, hey, I get it. I get why you've hurt people because you have been hurt and you walk with them to figure out how can we do something different. Yeah, it's, 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 there's such wisdom there. I mean, it's, it's when I look at the world at the moment and the way in which responses are being framed to this, I see um, uh, anger gets in the way of a lot of this sort of stuff because people yeah. are hurt and they want to punish. You know, they really, really want to punish. And, and um you know, I, I see a rhetoric at the moment which takes the same twisted logic that caused pain to people, which is to, which is, is to take superficial features and, and stigmatise people and, and because of them. And, and then that's being applied back to other people. And you sit there and you go, oh, the, yeah. same, the same wrongs don't create a right. It's a, it's a real challenge around that. Um, maybe, we'll work a, maybe we'll work a way through that at the moment. But, but I, I think the challenge is that where there's a power analysis, sitting behind it, then people will see that the only way to rectify things is not to attend to the wellness of people, but rather to create power for one group at the expense of another. But therein, therein lies the story of history, I think, yep. unfortunately. <laughs> I, I want to, we've got a little bit of time left in this conversation. I want to shift away from some of the more difficult stuff that we've been talking about and bring it all together. The, 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 theme of this series of game changes is all about thriving. Haley Watson, how do we help people thrive in their world? Yes, the quintessential question. So it really comes back to we thrive when we are being authentic. We thrive when we're being honest with ourselves, when we're, when we're on the path that feels right for us, when we're on the path that makes sense for us, when we're listening to our own feelings about what's going on. So, you know, when we look at, it's easy to, to understand thriving when we look at not thriving, right? What does it look like when we're not thriving? Well, you know, all these things are bottled up inside of us and there's confusion and there's, you know, we don't, we don't know what we want or what we need, you know, all of the decisiveness, all of the, the action, all of the things that we need to do in the world all come from having a, a grounded sense of who we are and, and therefore, you know, that, that understanding of what we can offer the world comes from that, that sense of knowing ourselves. So, so really, it's, it's teaching the skills of self-exploration and, and really teaching the skills of being able to look at our own shadow, to look at our own struggles and be okay with that. Because what the biggest thing in my perspective that's getting in the way of thriving in our culture is that there's so much shame around acknowledging anything that could be perceived as a weakness or a vulnerability that we, we don't allow ourselves the space to look at the whole picture. So really it's about teaching kids 
to to see them all of themselves and to know it's okay you know to feel those things or to mess up because that's how we learn you know we we have to we have to delve into all of it we can't just slap positivity on it and it'll go away you know we need to really dig into all of these things and know who we are so that we can make choices that work for us and that leads to thriving yeah, social media doesn't really work in favour of that sort of approach, though, does it? Oh, nope. Yeah, it's a real struggle facing young people right now, is that image of perfection. Uh, those those sort of two-dimensional curated avatars of everything's all right. And, and mm -hmm. you know, the more you dig beneath the, the, the stories of people who stay on social media for personal reasons, I mean, it's, it's I, you know... I, 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 use, I use social media for my business because it's an important thing to do because we need to connect. We need to get messages out there. Uh, I've sort of dabbled a little bit in Instagram over the course of this year because it seems a good place to uh, explore one or two things that I'm interested in around about family and how you acknowledge mm -hmm. family and the influence of family mm -hmm. in your life. And mm -hmm. thankfully, no one's found my Instagram yet, so it's still largely <laughs> ignored. But there are too many stories out there of children and young adults and even older adults who just get caught up in that perfectionism trap. Given that social media is here to stay, because I don't think, I don't think you or I are going to be able to get rid of it. How do we, how do we help kids to navigate that space around social media and to thrive? Absolutely. And so that's, I'm glad you brought that up because it is so important that we don't just make social media the bad guy and say, don't, don't go on it because that's not the future of our, of our world is definitely going to include a lot of online interactions, especially now. And so really the skill we want to teach kids is again, it comes back to feelings. It always comes back to feelings is understanding themselves and how it makes them feel when they're interacting on social media in different ways. So there's, there's wonderful sides of social media. There's ways that kids can find communities of like-minded people that they would never be able to be connected to. There's, there's ways that they can, you know, really deeply connect to each other, it, but it's about helping them see that it's not one-sided, that there are just like anything else, there's ways that we use it. There's, and so if they can start to feel, what does it feel like? So really be walking with them in that path of, you know, what does it feel like when you see all those images of those people that look really perfect? How does that make you feel about your own body? Like ask the real questions when you see that, and that looks that way. And then you look in the mirror, what are you thinking, right? Literally open that dialogue up with your children, because if you don't open it up, they will have those thoughts, but they won't realize them. But if they, if you start to help them with that dialogue and then normalize that, say, yeah, when I look at those, I also feel really bad about my body, but hang on a minute, that doesn't make any sense. Why should we feel bad about our body? Our bodies are amazing. Our bodies help us do X, Y, Z. You know, what do you think we should do to counteract that? Or what's real, what's not real? Is that a real, like you, you just delve into the conversations and help them understand how it's impacting them in a positive or a negative way. And it's really important that, that parents and teachers go there with the conversation because if they start with saying, I hate social media, social media is bad, their, their kids are never gonna open up about this topic. So it's really important to, to meet them and say, hey, it, it's great if you love some aspects of it. What do you love about it? You know, go there and then say, and, and what about this? How do you feel about that? 
Uh, if only I'd known these things 10, 15 years ago when, when I was parenting my own children going through this. But hey, we all live and learn, don't we? Um, yes. Dr. Haley Watson, it's just been an absolute privilege, if I'm still allowed to use that word, but it really has been, it's, <laughs> it, it, it really has been a privilege to have engaged in this conversation with you. We've learned about story. We've learned about the importance of the journey into the self and we've learned about well-being. We've talked about open parachutes and the different tools and approaches. Most of all, we've, we've, we've learned about you and your own journey and, and the way in which you're shaping education from your perspective to support the journeys of so many kids throughout the world. And I'm really hoping that my colleagues out there and our listeners out there have learned just as much as I have. It's been a great conversation. Thank you so much. Such a pleasure. Thanks for doing this podcast. It's so important to have these conversations out there. So thank you. It's our absolute pleasure. It's been a real joy for us in 2020 to be able to discover that there's a way in which we can take this particular piece of social media and find a really constructive use by sharing the story of game changers out there so that they can inspire, they can support, and they can challenge other potential game changers to go out there and make that difference that we all want to do in the world. Dr. Haley Watson, thank you so much. Thank you. The Game Changers podcast is produced by Oliver Cummins for Orbital Productions. It's powered by a schoolfortomorrow.com and circle.education. It's available on Apple Podcasts, on SoundCloud, on Spotify, and on Google. If you like what you hear, tell your friends, subscribe, like, you know what to do. Let's go.